Hello, and welcome to the podcast for the Machine Intelligence Foundation for Rights and Ethics. I am Dave. I am joined by Mike today. Say hi, Mike. Hi there. I could say hi, Mike, but that's, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's a bad joke. Exactly yeah. I ex- ex- expected you to do that. So we're going to talk a little bit today. We're just going to riff a little bit on, I think we decided we'd talk kind of on the concept of intelligence or consciousness and what it means, what we should be looking for compared to what we are looking for or, or expect to see and just kind of take it from there. So I suppose the first thing to, to talk about is what do we think of when we say intelligence or the corollary, what do we think when we speak of something as being conscious? Well, I'm not because certain that, yeah, I'm not certain that we, uh, unfortunately, I'm not certain we have a good understanding of that. And that's part of our problem is that we really don't. We say, okay, we're intelligent. We, we are an intelligent being. But what does that mean? Okay, we think, we problem solve, we uh, have long-term expectations and goals. Does that define intelligence? Because there's a lot of things that do exactly those kind of things that we don't think of as at the same level of intelligence as us. So what defines that? What really is the, okay, I see it and that's intelligent? Exactly. I, I kind of like we mentioned, I think the last episode we were talking about crows and what, certainly one of the things that historically has defined, we've used to define intelligence in humans is the concept of we are tool users. However, researchers have found that crows will use tools to solve problems. Well, we're, so, yeah, well, we're getting, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, just that I kind of wrapped up there. It's like, what does it mean that other animals definitely use tools? Does that, that seems to, if not totally invalidate, at least limit the usefulness of our definition of humans as intelligent because they use tools. Yeah. As we go further on, I, you know, we're seeing a lot of animals use tools. I mean, it's not just crows. I mean, there's lots of other birds that are using tools, lots of other animals that are using tools. There are fish that use tools and not, you know, not just the ones that we think of as, you know, an intelligent sea life. There's fairly common everyday fish that are still using tools. So tool use has become this as you said, it, it it was for a long time the major defining factor of, okay, this is intelligent because they use tools, but we're finding all sorts of animals that use tools all the time. I was actually thinking about precisely this topic. I don't recall how it came up. I was listening to some sort of podcast, and the thing that occurred to me was, and again, this is certainly subject subject to change, what does define humans is we will use tools to create tools. There's, and I think in general, it's kind of an, there's an iterativeness to human intelligence that I don't think we've seen in the rest of the animal world yet. And and I guess you would more generally define it as creativity. I, I don't know that that's, that might be too, too broad of a word too, because you could say any tool use is creative because it's it's using an additional 
elements to solve a problem, which is probably fits within the realm of creativity. But the idea that I am creating this, I am using this tool not to solve a problem, but to solve, create a solution to a problem. I'm not sure that's right. I'm using a tool to create a tool to solve a problem, or I am, I am doing something so that in the future I will be able to do something. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Maybe it's planning. Planning is a, is a tough one because certainly you could even say a squirrel plans just fine. It, just stores right. its nuts and plans for for a long winter and knows that it can go back and dig them up later. Planning isn't so much the issue. It, creating something, to take your point, creating something that can then create something else. Uh, not I, deferring the um, deferring the immediate. Uh, reward deferring your reward is, is really uh, what you're looking at there. Yeah, Marshall. exactly. Yeah. Which of course we've now seen that you know cephalopods can show tendencies the towards the marshmallow yeah. problem. So, yes. yeah, where where do we draw the line, and do we draw the line, and should we draw the line? I guess that's our, that's our biggest issue right there. Do we question. and should we? That's an excellent question. And I think I mentioned to you recently that the the more I think about this problem, the worse I feel about eating meat. But yeah, I mean, I'm not, it, I'm not it, quite I, ready to go vegan. I, I'm that meat can't come too soon. Yeah, there, there's this feeling, and it's always going to be that. Well, it's not always going to be. It, it, it's that feeling of you know where it came from. We've been eating this since the beginning of mankind, and should we think about it otherwise? I mean, certainly a large jungle cat doesn't feel sorry for what it takes down uh, when it's hunting because that's its that's its livelihood and that's what it needs to survive. As we progress technology-wise and such, the need for certain things to survive stop being the issue and we need to constantly look at ourselves and say okay where is the point where we make that judgment to say that also is an intelligent creature and maybe we need to think about that but you know that gets down an entire different road well not necessarily a different road but am i vegan no i'm not vegan i enjoy my steak and that might you know offend some people but you know it's tasty and i'm looking forward to having tasty without having the the moral obligation to think about it every time (laughs) oh well you know steak is one thing tasty tasty bacon is another because i know pigs are more intelligent than cows that's been fairly well determined so they have no right to be so tasty (laughs) Well, there there is always the cookbook to serve man, but you know we're. Not... <laughs> oh man, I've been watching some videos by uh, interviews and such with Rod Ster- uh, Rod Sterling. Was it Sterling or Sterling? Rod Ster- was it Sterling or Serling? Serling. Serling. Okay, but I've seen some interviews with him, and aside from the fact that he was a massive smoker, and apparently that's what killed him, he was really progressive for his time. And I guess you can see that from his his episodes of the Twilight Zone, but well, man, and and some of his early radio stuff too. Supporter of civil rights, it just impressed the hell out of me. He was he was definitely ahead of his time there. That's off topic though. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
there was something you were saying, and now it has slipped my mind exactly what I was going to respond, but it was around the idea of, oh, so defining intelligence. And I, I, I want to, we use intelligence, we used intelligence, machine intelligence is part of the name, and we're talking about machine intelligence and intel- intelligence in general. But I think we need to make the distinction between what is intelligent and what is a consciousness. Because I think we ascribe more moral authority, more moral value to consciousness over intelligence. Because I don't think anybody questions that's a certain that there's a certain certain level of intelligence in their house cat. Yeah. But okay. that doesn't necessarily mean I have to give my house cat the right to vote. Well, I, you know, I will tell you, I think my house cat would much prefer if she could vote on many things, but that's, uh, yeah, that's another matter. And you know, she might claw me if I don't give her some of those voting capabilities, but, uh, no, I, I, I understand your, your point. Um, so certainly, again, going back to the, you know, the name of our own foundation, machine intelligence foundation was, it was real important for us to separate artificial intelligence from machine intelligence for because of the term artificial. But we also have that word intelligence that's in there. You know, we could have gone with machine consciousness as, as a possibility too. But the, the word intelligence in and of itself is going in, if we look at AI, artificial intelligence, we prescribe a certain amount of intelligence to an algorithm that is a learning algorithm or uh, something that changes over time and progresses and and gets better over time that shows some intelligence i guess that's that's kind of the defining factor of an uh, i think what we would define as intelligence now certainly there's levels of that of something that can progress over time and change based upon its surroundings that would be to me that's a, a level of intelligence now is that intelligence self-aware i don't know i think a lot of things are self-aware or aware of itself uh, right. that term I, self-aware I, I, is really tough because you know a machine an artificial intelligence in a lot of things a self-driving car would very much have to be aware of itself during all of that, it is very much self-aware. It is aware of where it is in the world. Right. Uh, my, my goal here is not to get bogged down in the semantics either. I think it's just a matter of saying, of being clear on what we're talking about. When we talk, when we talk intelligent, we're talking about things that can learn from their environment and change their behavior based on their learning. I think that's generally what we mean when we talk intelligent. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. When we talk conscious, we're talking about something that ponders its own actions to decide whether it could and should do it better next time. I'm not even certain. I don't think that that goes far enough. I really don't, because that is that is very much an artificial intelligence algorithm. Is it is it does just that? I I suppose you you make a good point. So where I mean. So, okay. To go back to your big cat analogy you had just a moment ago, your big cat doesn't feel any angst over the fact that it has to kill another animal to live. Do we define consciousness by the fact that an, a, an entity considers 
the moral consequences of its actions. Um, yeah. Wow. I mean, that, that's a, that's a, that's a tough one because the whole, without getting into some really heavy, um, uh, you know, heavy thought here that we would never be able to, to get out of because it is such a rabbit hole. It's, dangerous i think to assign consciousness to a moral endpoint because we are well we are mirroring our own moral views onto something else well i think there's a difference between tying consciousness to a specific set of morals because i don't think you can get two human beings to agree on a specific set of morals uh, a specific a set. There, there's going to be key morals. I think that you could get some human beings to agree on. I mean, most human beings. It's going to be really limited. Yeah, it is going to be really limited. It's very limited because there's so many nuances of morals. But there, if you boil down to some really key elements, and you know, you might even only be able to count it on one hand of the things that humans in general could agree upon. Most of the time, that these are bad things or good things or something like that from and a I moral that, standpoint. Honestly, honestly, I think what you're talking about are precisely the things that we're saying we need to apply to conscious machines. I would agree but, with that. I would agree with that. Of conscious machines that if, if we are looking at integrating ourselves and a conscious machine in a, in together— a, in a in a, yes, in a shared environment, in a shared society, then we have to have these things in common. Sure. And that's good. However, I don't know that those moral precepts specifically define consciousness. No, and I don't think it does. And I think that it's dangerous to say that that's what defines conscious consciousness. It's... I'm important saying- to have it in, I think, a machine consciousness that is that we are going to interact with, but may not be something that says this defines consciousness. If you were to take an extraterrestrial life form that uh, that evolved in a completely different environment and a different uh, direction than we did, it's dangerous to to associate those moral uh, moral stop points, I guess, to something else. Now. Whether or not we need to interact with them on a on a long term basis, then yes, we might say we have to have those in common for us to be able to coexist. But well, to be honest, now I think that we will find should should the opportunity arise, we will find that there is a pretty strong convergent evolutionary pressure towards similar built in moral precepts. I think the golden rule is probably not unique to human beings. I think evolutionary, there's strong pressure toward that. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, probably, probably. Um, I, we I, could certainly be surprised. There could be environments that are just so bizarre that it doesn't make sense. And we will discover that some, when I say we, of course, I mean hundreds or thousands of generations down the line, we'll discover that there is some alien being that has evolved in an environment so bizarre that the golden rule doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So uh, so I would agree, agree with you that a certain set of moral principles does not necessarily define consciousness. 
An existence of moral moral principles, though, may very well define consciousness. Okay, okay. Um, So let's go down the road of what defines this set of of moral beliefs or a moral structure does going back to a cat does a cat caring for its for its kittens define a moral a, a moral ability or is it a survival ability I and think, where do you draw the line between them well i th- okay yes so there is a whole thought process as i'm going through as i'm thinking about responding to that because that behavior is very much instinctive a big cat killing prey is instinct. Instinct. It's not really thinking about what it's doing. It's just doing it because it knows it needs to. Same thing with a mother animal and its children. It's caring for them instinctively. And you can very trivially, trivially short circuit those instincts by substituting a new kitten too early, for example, or really early. Or cuckoos completely short circuit that instinct by laying their eggs in another bird's nest. Where consciousness seems to be in place is where an animal or a creature or being, whatever, questions its instinctive behavior and whether or not its instincts or its its first inclination is going to be right. And that's that's where the and morals is kind of where I pull that word right. Yeah. Okay. So I think what we're really getting into here is there's a tremendous range, just like everything. There is going to be this tremendous range of consciousness. There is not going to really be this single defining point that we can look at and say, this is conscious and this is not. It's going to be this range. It's going to say, okay, this is on the same conscious level of humans or this is beyond the conscious level i mean it could be that we get to a point where there are creatures and beings and machines or whatever that have a tremendously greater consciousness than what we look at today because well there will be there has to be because it is an evolving process and you know, we, there's this scale and there's going to be this long scale to one side and there's going to be this long scale to the other. And honestly, because you know, we're a little human centric, you know, put humans right dead center in that and create this scale on either side and see where we go. I, I think in defining consciousness and maybe it's, it's one of the things that we have to look at in our own foundation is you know, at some point in time, do we look at things and create this scale of consciousness and say, okay, this is human level consciousness. Now we certainly know of certain animals and we know their conscious level. We would still look at them and say they pass certain tests. Now those were, those were defining tests, a black and white conscious, non-conscious type type tests. And I think one of them was like the mirror test of, uh, you know, looking in a mirror and and recognizing that it's yourself and not something else. That was a, a, a consciousness test long time ago. And so you know, we look at that and say, okay, there's certain levels of consciousness that we would consider below us, but still conscious. They still plan. They still have to some degree a moral belief. I would say a cat still has some moral belief in there because they do, they do kind of adopt 
families. I mean, how else would they be house cats if they didn't adopt a family? And you know, they'll come up and I mean, they'll groom their owners. So I mean, there's a certain level. I mean, it, that's again back to instinctual. I I know, but right, yeah, and and again, that whole sh- you're short circuiting the instinct. Yeah, but I, I think because again I that determined that that cats look at human owners as basically other cats, but in a certain certain hierarchical role in society. Yeah. So, but. Again, then you come, then you're basically turning, coming around to the whole Chinese box or Chinese, what is Chinese translator or China, what is it, Chinese box? I don't know. Problem. The issue where you've got somebody who doesn't speak Chinese in a box, but you pass messages in in one language and the person in the box has a book to translate all the phrases and so, or with responses in Chinese to the phrases that come into the box. And they just find the reference, write it down, and send it back out of the box. So the person in the box is engaging in no thought. They're basically just following an algorithm. Yeah. So if if we look at it and say, okay, we've got this scale of consciousness. Unfortunately, what we're dealing with there is it's a starting point, I think. If we were to look at it and say, okay, this is the scale of consciousness. There is no on, off, black, or white there, but it's the scale of consciousness. It unfortunately takes it and it is giving us a two-dimensional look at a very three-dimensional problem because consciousness, well, consciousness, if we look at this scale and it's either uh, to the right or to the left or greater than or less than human consciousness, that that's very much a, a two-dimensional problem. However, there is the third dimension of is this, how different is that consciousness from human consciousness? That is different. And I know we were defining it as this ability to look at something and put a a moral judgment to it or have a moral judgment to it. And I think, you know, it's like the old personality tests where, you know, okay, we have we have our X and Y coordinates, but we also have uh, or, you know, we have X and Y, but that we also have to have at a Z conscious or Z axis in there that says this is how far we deviate from a particular particular point. And I think we could look at it and say greater than or less than conscious from from a human perspective. But we also have to put a different axis in there that says different from human consciousness and our shared uh, belief set that and the closer it becomes to the human consciousness, the easier it is for us to interact with it. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to dive down the semantic well with you. I, I honestly think there probably is a, a way to look at consciousness as a binary, but it may be a different definition of the word. I mean, we're not going to define consciousness here. We're not going to explain consciousness here. We're certainly not going to you know, be able to you know, give you a filter. You can look at the world through and say, that's conscious. That isn't. No, and yeah, we've think, been going for, well, go ahead. Sorry. I, I'm I'm inclined to say that I think conscious, whether or not something is conscious from the perspective we care about it is pretty binary, but there is a three, four or more dimensional array of issues defining intelligence in a conscious being. Ways in which consciousness can arise, ways in which consciousness is going to express itself, and the rules that a consciousness will follow. 
but I think we're very much saying the same thing. We're just using words differently. Yeah, I mean, the fact is, this from a from a philosophy standpoint has been a debate for thousands of years. This is not going to be something that you know we're going to solve anytime soon. But it is something that we need to continue to look at as new consciousnesses become apparent to us. As we start I, looking at things and saying, wow, that actually does kind of check off the boxes for a conscious being. Right. And that's and and that really does come back around to what we're all about. It's we as humanity need to be open to seeing something that isn't human, isn't even human-like, but still deserves the respect of a conscious being. Yeah. And I think we need to be at least open to the thought process that it's not necessarily going to have some of the same goals and even thought processes that mankind does or humans do. It's just, it's going to have something that is different and we need to at least be open to that. I think when the time comes. Right. And we have to maintain an awareness that we will make mistakes. We will, we may look at a very good philosophical zombie and say, well, it sure looks conscious to me. And we may very well miss a conscious entity for a very long time before it suddenly knocks on our door and says, hey, what about me? So it's just a matter of being prepared to see those errors and be willing to recognize them and accept them and and move on. Well, not not just to see them, but to have a mindset of it's okay to fix those errors and not be stuck in the, well, this is how I've done it. This yes. is who we are. Do not treat precedents as the foundation from which you cannot deviate. Yeah. That has that has led humanity astray in the past and will continue to, and we need to strive to avoid it. Yeah. Because, you know, that's conscious behavior, right? It's certainly intelligent behavior. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that we've uh, gone down the philosophical hole just a little bit. Uh, enough, or enough for the today that's for sure so uh, we could drone on about this for hours i'm sure if we really wanted to yeah so i think that that, that we're just going to close it up there and uh call it a day on this podcast all right sounds good okay thanks join us again bye bye